Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. On this week's Patriot Nation podcast, we are talking about the awful, horrendous, terrible, just embarrassing loss by the Patriots last Sunday, unfortunately, uh, which dropped them into the three seed, which means they're playing this weekend against the Titans. To talk about that, we have Evan Lazar from CLNS Media. He's on the show talking a little bit of Patriots, a little bit of Titans, a little bit of a little bit of everything. So uh, it's a great conversation, and so you don't want to miss it. So buckle up and cue the music. All right, Spags, it was a, uh, I hope you had a good, uh, a good um, New Year's. It was uh, obviously not as good of a week as we had hoped, um, but, you know, here we are in 2020. Here we are. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to all our listeners. We, uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in all season long. Hopefully this isn't the, uh, the last show of the year, kind of talking about the Patriots this season. Uh, we'll yeah. obviously get into that a little bit later with Evan, um, but Pat, I think it's good to start a new year after that, uh, after that loss Sunday where we were both in attendance for the first time. Um, yeah. You know, just a disgusting loss. And I had wrote an article about it earlier this week. I keep thinking today's you know, peek behind the curtain. It's Wednesday night. I keep thinking today's Sunday, you know, because of yeah, the, know, the holiday. Right? But, yeah. you know, Monday morning uh, regarding this being, you know, the worst loss, worst regular season loss, sorry, regular season loss in the Brady Belichick yeah. era, you know. 2009 in in uh, in Indianapolis with the fourth and two that one hurt right I mean just the yeah. you know the woulda coulda shoulda and then you know back in 2015 with with Stephen Jackson in Miami which you still think they blew those games on purpose which is another which is crazy but, <laughs> story for but another I mean, time yeah. yeah yeah and the Jets and game you got the Jets game week. there too when they won the coin toss and elected to kick instead of receiving up. yeah I mean there's been some bad ones but this week just with everything at stake you know a team that we've been saying all year long really the last six weeks 
has needed, you know, that there hasn't been a Patriots team of the last 10 years that's needed a buy this much. With Edelman, with Brady, with the secondary key injuries to those guys, getting that week off from, from a mental and, and a physical perspective is so big for a team. And 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 to go out and just lay an egg versus our, I think the worst roster. You you can't yeah, I don't even know where 75% of these guys come from. Um to, to lay an egg like that is just so unpatriot like and, and is so frustrating. Yeah, here we no, are. <laughs> and you're not used to seeing it. And, and, you know, people can argue that point about, I think, I think you're right about the worst regular season loss, but at the very least, it is definitely the worst regular season home loss in the Brady Belichick era. And, you know, you could talk about some back in 08 or whatever, but Castle was the quarterback back then. So, you know, we're talking about Brady and Belichick. I mean, it's just, you don't see that happen. You don't see games like that happen. It just doesn't happen around here. And, and that's, that's the frustrating thing. And you thought the Buffalo game was going to be the hard game. And look, I mean, I made all sorts of comments about how there was no way they were going to lose and they could win with me a quarterback and everything else, but it, it just, it didn't happen. And, and I think what it comes down to is that they thought like everyone else thought they thought that Miami was going to come up here and quit and that Miami was done. And you know, that, that, that was the end of the road and Miami was just going to come. And you got to give credit over. to Beeflo for that. Right? right. I mean, he, he came yep. in with a game plan. They executed it and, and he got his guys ready to go. I mean, props to him, man. That's, that's, that's not a hard, what he did is not an easy thing to do. You, you know, right. and week 17 meaningless game where you're kind of fighting for some draft, you know, where you're going to draft, um, it, you know, coming a few months and he came up right. here and he, he stuck it to him. Good for him, man. You know I yep. mean? And hopefully this can be a humbling experience for this Patriots, especially it's defense and offense, you know, kind of that kick in the ass that they needed. Uh, you know, you kind of see the, the the mojo around the room seems like they're kind of over it and, and positive looking forward to this week and, and, and the challenge at hand. But, right. you know, we'll get into it. But, you know, I can't really name a tougher road to just getting to the Super Bowl than, than I can remember. You know, you get Tennessee coming to town, winners of five out of seven, rolling with Tannehill and, 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 you know, really running and throwing well, getting pressure, getting turnovers when they need it. Then you go to Kansas City, who's won six in a row and just, you know, showboating in your face you know all yep. those comments they made and then you got to go to baltimore who's won 12 in a row so right. they got a tough road ahead man it's rough it's really rough and that's that's one of those things and and we were talking about it off air and i you know i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here because we got they got a long road to go and i'm honestly you know look for me personally i'm, I'm working on an article right now as you said, it's Wednesday night, so it could be out by Friday by the time this comes out. I don't think it will be, but uh, I'm working on an article right now about how I don't think there's a logical reason why you should be confident about the Patriots. Logically, if you look at the way this team has played the last eight weeks when they're four and four, I don't think there's anything that I've seen the last eight weeks other than the Buffalo game, which they played pretty well in the Buffalo game. But other than the Buffalo game, seven out of those eight games, I don't think there's one thing from those games that you can look at this matchup against Tennessee and say, yeah, Patriots going to win because because they do this really well or they do that really well or they even the defense is taking a step back and so that's that's a concern for me, right? But the thing is, it's Brady and Belichick, and like I was just gonna until say. until Brady and Belichick prove to me that they can't win in a situation like this, it doesn't matter what the situation looks like. It doesn't matter who they play. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they should win. Shoot, last year they shouldn't have won, and they won both those games. And so, you know, it just you look at it and say logically on paper does it make sense that they're going to win not really but i mean until until brady and belichick show that that's the case that they that you know that the regular logic of what you'd look at in an nfl game applies to them i don't know how you can doubt this team right now you know 
Yeah, just to play devil's advocate there, you know, obviously those are those are logical points, and and it, it makes sense, right? I mean, it, it, you you make a good point there, but at the end of the day, you know, you got Ryan Tannehill and Mike Vrabel coming into town. I know it's not all QB coach, but that plays a big part in it. First right. Brady and Belichick who have done this for 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 twenty you know some odd years, right. and uh, I think to that point you got to at least trust, at least just looking at this week, right? Taking one week at a time, yep. being at home, um, facing a team that you know, relies heavily on their run game and, the, and that kind of, you know, directs how that offense is going because it kind of sets up play action. And Evan talked about Tannehill being very good under center. Um, if you can kind of get into them into some th- third and long situations and, and make really matters tough on Tannehill. I mean, you know, they've seen him a million times. It's like they're facing, yeah. you know, uh, Fitzpatrick, the journeyman, and then Tannehill right. they face for however long he's been in the league. So, you know, they kind of know his tendencies and I'm sure some ways to kind of slow him down but um, yeah, I mean, it, looking ahead, it, it, it's a tough road, man. It's it's they they got you thought last year was tough with you know L.A. and then and then going to Arrowhead and then the Super Bowl with a team as banged up as they are and, and right. limited from the playmaking ability that they have. Uh, this is a tough one, especially with with the amount of you know athletic offenses and defenses they're going to face coming forward. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. That that's going to lead me into something, and, and we're going to get to Lazar uh, Evan in a minute, but. Um, you know, it's something that we were talking about off air a little bit, and I was talking about um, kind of leading up to this week, and it it brings me back to to 1996 and 2006, and and so 1996. So just to refresh your memory, if if people weren't around in '96, don't remember '96. 1996 Patriots are the two seed. Then one seed that year was Denver, and they were way better than everyone else. I mean, they were the best team in the league. They finished 15 and one. They dominated everyone all year. They beat the Patriots at home that year like 34 to eight, they just blew their doors off. Like Patriots were no match for, for Denver. And everyone said, okay, great. You know, first of all, you, number one, you gotta go to mile high. So it just doesn't matter. And number two, you're playing the best team in the league. And so you're going to, you're going to lose. And uh, you know, and you're facing a similar situation this year with Baltimore. Now look, uh, Kansas city and it, we'll talk about that in a minute, but what happened was, is that, you know, in the divisional round, Jacksonville won in the divisional round. Pittsburgh comes to New England. Jacksonville goes to Denver. Jacksonville beats Denver. And the Patriots beat Pittsburgh. And then the Patriots end up playing Jacksonville in the AFC Championship game at home and win and get to the Super Bowl. And so, you know, for me, and then in 2006, uh, the Colts were the three seed. The Patriots were the four seed. They obviously both won their their um, wild card games. The Patriots went to San Diego. And, of course, that was a crazy comeback where Brady throws the pick and the idiot tr- tries to return it. Uh, and Troy Brown picked uh, – you know, strips them and they end up coming back and, and winning the game. And then um, Pitts, uh, I'm sorry, Indianapolis, I think actually goes into uh, Baltimore, I'm pretty sure, and wins that game. And then they obviously end up hosting the AFC Championship game against the Patriots. And so I think that that's, that's going to have to be what's going to have to happen. It's going to have to be because, look, I, I don't want to look past Tennessee because I'm not saying they, they, they're, they're going to walk over Tennessee because that's going to be a tough game too. So you're going to say it's going to be a tough game against Tennessee. Then they're going to have to go into Arrowhead and win. Then they're going to have to go into Baltimore and win. Like that's just, that's a lot to ask. Right. And so it's almost like something like that needs to happen where it's like, okay, say Houston, whether it's Houston or Buffalo, whoever it is, whoever wins that matchup needs to go into Baltimore and win. I know it's a tall task, but for the Patriots, I think for them to have a legitimate shot at making it back to the AFC championship game and I'm sorry, making it back to the Super Bowl. That's what's going to have to happen because I think they can go into Arrowhead and win, assuming they win this week. 
But asking them to do both is is really difficult. But if something like that were to happen, and I know it's crazy, but I'm telling you, in 96, Denver was so much better than everyone. It was like, it was a joke. Denver was just running over people. It was embarrassing. I mean, they dominated the You got to factor the in the rest week. thing, too. That's three weeks of no right. Lamar Jackson, no Mark right. Ingram, and, and yep. all those guys. Mark Andrews. You know, several guys on the defensive side of the ball. So I think that's entirely possible, right? right. I mean, like you said, I want to take it week to week. Right. Um, I know I, I'm just leaning on, you know, the the, the experience factor. And, and, you know, some people believe in it. I, You know, others don't. I, I truly do. You know, a team that's been here and done that for so long, you know, yeah. it, it's it's you know, that experience factor kicks in. You don't get as nervous. They know what to expect. They know what it's like this time of year, how to treat their bodies and, and, you know, preparation that, that, that stuff matters, man. You know, and, and a lot of these teams that they're going up against, um, you know, I, I feel confident enough where, you know, if, if it's a tight ball game, which all these guys, all these games are going to come down to the wire, the Patriots can trust their, their veteran guys to, to kind of, you know, pull through it and kind of that been there, done that type of mentality. Right. Uh, by the way, I do I do want to. Um, I'm sorry, I cut you off there, but <laughs> no, 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 you didn't cut me off at all. The the uh, Broncos in uh, in '96 were were actually 13 and three. They were not 15 and one, but the 13 and three was kind of a joke because they really didn't play the last game of the season. They didn't play any of their starters, and uh, and so they ended up losing to San Diego 16 to 10. But it was like that one didn't even matter. They just kind of threw everyone out there. I'm like, meh, whatever. Um, and so, you know, it was just, it was one of those things where, and that's kind of what almost, Baltimore did. Obviously they won with Pittsburgh, but RG three right. played and, and, and Gus yep. Andrews or Gus Edwards and, yep. you know, no yep. Mark Andrews. They didn't kind of run that three tight end set that they've been doing, you know, yeah. it's, it's a lot. So, and so we'll see, you know, but like I said, if, if we're looking at a, at a long extended Patriots playoff run, something like that's going to have to happen. I just don't see it happening. For the Patriots. And look, you know, we'll talk about Lazar, what he thinks is going to happen. I, I personally, myself, I think the Patriots are going to win on Saturday night. I mean, I think it's going to be a really tough road for them. Uh, a, a really tough game for them. I'm sorry. I think that, you know, it's a really, really tough matchup. But I think in the end, um, you know, and like I said earlier, you, you have to trust Brady and Belichick to get it done. And Gilmore's not going to have back-to-back terrible games. I think the defense steps up. And I honestly, I think Brady's going to step up. And we haven't seen much from Edelman. I know he's been double covered a lot, but I think you know you, you see you see a decent game from Edelman uh, this week. And I wonder if they're going to use some tight ends. I mean, you never know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, but I mean, I think, for me, it's it's, it's one of those things that I hope you know they start the game with kind of that 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 mentality we saw to start the AFC Championship game, right? You know, you had a lot of questions going in, and and obviously not as much going into that game as there is now, but. From an offensive, you know, perspective, they've started slow in, in, in pretty much every game, right? I mean, the Buffalo game, they did start fast. They had they were moving the ball, and then Burkhead fumbled, and I believe they scored on their next drive. But you know, yeah. collectively all year, they've started slow and slow and slow. I can see them winning the toss, keeping the ball like they did in the AFC Championship game, and just run a 16, 17 play drive right down your throat and, yeah. and really establish that run game, put the Titans on their heels, you know. Make their def- make our defense force a three and out after a score, and, and like I said, really put the pressure on the Titans early on in the game, um, because it, you know I think you, we talked about it with Evan, but I think the run game really they did run well on Sunday. Uh, yeah. Rex, uh, Rex and Sonny, you know, were were all over the place. You know, a 
a lot of yards after or after contact, breaking off some runs, you know, not the two-yard Michelle we were used to. He was cutting, finding some holes, making some plays. And I think that's something that they'll use this week to kind of build off of because obviously they did a great job in, in Cincinnati. Last week versus Buffalo, they were great. And right. then obviously took another good step that kind of got overshadowed by the disaster that happened. But uh, yeah, that's what I'd love for them to do. Just start fast, get some points on the board and really force Tan Hill to, to, to beat you and, and, yeah. and put pressure on him. Right. So, so anyways, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I'll tell you what, man, you know, losing to Mahomes or losing to Lamar Jackson, I can, I can kind of deal with that. I, I don't know if I can deal with losing to Ryan Tannehill in the playoffs to be completely honest. Yeah. So I hope not, uh, man. I mean, we've seen crazier think. stuff happen last weekend. So who knows at yep. this point, but it's very true. the whole very talk true. of Tannehill or Brady, you're, you're out of your mind. Fox sports one. So shove uh, it. screw them, dude. But Anyways, all right, uh, that's what we have. We're going to leave you with the Evan Lazar interview. Don't leave yet because Evan Lazar, man, this guy knows. We were talking about this after the interview. He just knows everything. He, Guru. He is. He's like knows the Patriots so well. He knows, you know, the X's. He knows the football so well. And then he also pays so much attention to the draft. And so he goes into detail about, you know, some of the some of the rookie wide receivers and what, what you know, he thought about some of those guys. And so – uh, it's a really, really great conversation. So definitely stick around. It's Evan Lazar from CLNS Media, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Hopefully, hopefully, after a Patriots win. Take care, everyone. All right, we are being joined by Evan Lazar from CLNS Media. He's been on the show before. We always love having him on, and uh, we we're going to have him on next week. But of course, uh, unfortunately, things got pushed up a week because now we have no bye week. So, uh, so Evan, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it, and uh, appreciate you moving up the schedule for us. Yeah, absolutely. We all had to uh, make some different arrangements this week. Not really what we had in mind, is it? No, no, it is not. Unfortunately. <laughs> so, Evan, I was, uh, I was actually both of us were actually at the game, and uh, I was looking forward to, you know, I'm sure as we we talked about before the show, you were probably looking off for looking out for you know a, a weekend off here, but obviously with the wild card round coming up. Um, I, I kind of had an interesting take, and I, and I want to start it off just to get the Dolphins thing over with here. Do you think that, given the circumstances and what was at stake, is that the worst regular season loss for Brady Belichick? I know the fourth and two stung, and, and a few years ago when they ran Steven Jackson like 42 times, that one was a head-scratcher. But given everything that happened, was that a little uh, – Was that where, where does that rank on your list? I'm curious. Yeah, I think that this is right near the top probably my number one just going off the top of my head and I think the biggest reason why was yeah there were some trick plays thrown in there by Miami some you know passes by non-quarterbacks and reverses and things like that but for the most part they played them pretty straight up and they just beat them in a day that the Patriots wanted to win the game it was clear they wanted to win the game they played all their starters the entire game and Brady and even all the big names they all played and the guys that let them down were the quarterback, Brady, uh, Stephon Gilmore, they're all pro corner and big money corner, just guys that they have kind of grown accustomed to counting on over the last couple of years, let them down in one of the bigger spots that I can remember. And I think that, you know, listening to Devin McCourty talk today at the podium, there was kind of this notion of, you know, everybody, and I think that you kind of don't tell yourself this on the surface if you're a player, but in the back of your head, it kind of creeps in. We all, like we just discussed, we're expecting to have this week off. <laughs> you know, I think it's just right. been kind of a thing that we all consider almost a given at this point because of how many years in a row it's been that they've had a bye. So I think that the players, the coaches, 
they all feel like they were saying all the right things last week, but their actions during the week weren't necessarily backing up uh, the stakes of the game. And then it obviously went and showed itself in the worst way possible on Sunday. And hopefully, and McCordy said this as he continued, that they came back Monday with a real sense of focus in terms of, all right, we can't, we need to stop messing around with the season because now we are finding ourselves in a one-game playoff elimination. So that's going to be, I think, the biggest thing this week is I think that everybody was pretty shell-shocked that they lost against Miami, both inside and outside the organization, obviously. And I think that really the expectation was that they were going to have this week off. So how they look against Tennessee is going to depend a lot on, you know, that kind of planning and how they can kind of get over the fact that they aren't, you know, off on vacation this weekend. Right. No, it's true. And, you know, they talked about it all week being a playoff game and everything else. And then they came out in the first quarter and you just looked at that. You looked at the way they were playing and you just like, well, they, I mean, there's no way they treated this week like a playoff week. They thought they were going to win. They assumed they were going to win. I mean, look, I've been saying for weeks that, you know, they could have beaten Miami with me playing quarterback because Miami always is terrible, you know, in December. And, and I just, you know, up here and I figured there's no way they can go come in here and beat us. And, and yet that's exactly what happened. And I think this, you know, it's an indication, I think, at least of what Brian Flores has going on down there. You know, the type of organization that he's building and the type of team that he's building where they're not afraid of anyone. They're not afraid to go in anywhere and play anywhere. Whereas before, you know, Miami would come up here, be cold out and they'd be want, they'd be ready to go before the game even started. And so, you know, I think that, that that's obviously a little shift for them, obviously not good for the Patriots, but good for Miami, obviously, um, you know, but, but again, they're in the situation because they were, and you mentioned Gilmore and Brady. I mean, you talk about clearly, I think the worst game of the season for both players and they happen on the exact same game. Now, obviously it's a bad game to have it happen, but you know, better that better that week than, than this week. So, I mean, I guess that's the silver lining, right? Yeah, I think that that is a silver lining. And listen, Tom Brady has not been, you know, at his usual level this season. And it's certainly been about as much about what's around him and then his play itself. But it's manifested itself, whether which way you want to look at it. Want to put it on Brady, you want to put it on supporting cast, you want to put it on a little bit on everybody, which is what I do. That no matter what way you look at it, Brady has had a down year. And I think that that is a game like Sunday, he can't have a repeat of what he played against Miami. He's got to play better than that, or they're going to get bounced by Tennessee on Saturday night. But I think the best thing that Patriots fans can kind of hold to for this game on Saturday is I really do not expect Stephon Gilmore to play that poorly again. I don't expect him to get beat that many times when he is targeted down the field and not be more competitive in those types of situations. So I know Corey Davis had his number last year, but I really think that Gilmore is at the peak of his powers right now, and he's not going to have too many games in a row where he plays that poorly. Now, speaking of Corey Davis and and obviously Gilmore, uh, you know, Tennessee's got an emerging stud receiver in A.J. Brown going over 1,000 yards. I believe your colleague Alex Barth tweeted out that he was the the fastest player to get there with the least amount of targets or or something crazy like that. Does that kind of shift, you think, you know, given the success that Davis had on uh, Gilmore last year, uh, will, will they, you know, maybe stick Gilmore on Brown and, and kind of maybe give, you know, J.C. Jackson a look at, at Corey Davis? What's your kind of uh, – what do you think they're going with the game plan-wise there? 
Yeah, I think that that's probably the biggest question just from a pass defense standpoint is how exactly do they match up? I do think that on early downs you're going to see a lot of zone coverage because the the Titans want to play under center on first and second down so they can get that power running game going with Derrick Henry. As a result, they run a lot of play action on early downs. That's kind of been their sort of formula here since Ryan Tannehill took over is first and second down runs and then play action on first down, especially to kind of throw the defense off. So I do think they're going to play a lot of zone, match zone, obviously. Everything's matched in the Patriots system. So if a receiver goes vertically down the field, then it becomes man-to-man for that guy on that side of the field or in that zone anyways. But I think they are going to play some zone. I expect a similar game plan on early downs is what we saw in Super Bowl 53, where they really loaded up in the box to shut down the Rams' running game. And they played back end zone, cover four, a little bit of one cross, which is a cover three variation or cover one man variation. And they were able to cut a lot of those crossing routes and different things that they want to do off of those play actions. So I think that this is a similar looking offense, some holdover from when Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator there last year. And I think that there's some holdover there from the McVay LaFleur coaching tree and what they run right now, especially with Tannehill, who can operate more comfortably as a under center passer than maybe a Marcus Mariota could. But when they do play man, because they're certainly going to play some man, I actually think that they probably will keep Gilmore on Davis. The main reason why is I look at a guy like AJ Brown and the way that he plays the game and he is so dynamic as a ball carrier after the catch, really a guy that can go and break a 10 yard completion into a 60 yard touchdown pretty quickly Therefore, I think that they would be better and behoove the Patriots to throw a lot of different bodies at A.J. Brown in terms of maybe having J.C. Jackson on him as the primary defender, but you have the safety coming over or a guy in the middle of the field helping out because if he does give up a catch, it's going to be a catch-and-run situation most likely for Brown. I think Gilmore, even though he had, didn't have success against Corey Davis last year, I think that he is more apt to take a guy like Davis on an island and play him one-on-one and let everybody else kind of deal with tackling guys like A.J. Brown or Johnny Smith or whoever it may be. But I think that Gilmore one-on-one versus A.J. Brown is a really tough matchup for any corner because of what A.J. Brown can do after the catch. Right. Well, I, I think it's an interesting thing, and I think, honestly, Tennessee is a really bad matchup for the Patriots because, you know, they have struggled, and they've been a little bit better, you know, throughout the course of the year, but they've struggled against the run. And realistically, I mean, how many – really good running games have they played this year i mean i know that you have dallas with zeke and everything but you know they're not the same this year dallas isn't and you know i just i look at it and question whether they're going to be able to stop derrick henry and how effective they're going to be at it and what's that going to cost them on you know on the secondary end of it because you know like you said you have brown and um and davis and that presents a serious problem for them um you know in the passing game and so I think honestly, this might be the worst matchup for the Patriots, uh, unfortunately. Um, but you know, that's the way it goes. I do have a question about AJ Brown though. And so it's interesting. It's just interesting that this is our first round matchup and you're looking at, you know, a rookie wide receiver and looking at McCole Harbin, I know is a rookie that's in Kansas city, but he's not the type of guy that's a Patriots guy. AJ Brown to me seems like a Patriots guy. He just seems like the Patriots type of receiver. And so I'm curious as to what you think. Obviously, the Patriots take Nikhil Harry in the first round, and we've seen glimpses from him, and he's been hurt. And so, you know, who knows what exactly you get out of him 
you know, in, in the coming, in the years moving forward. But uh, I just think it's an interesting look into uh, the two different players. And I, I'm, I wonder what you thought about Brown before, before the draft. And, you know, if you think they made the right decision at the time, or if you actually wanted them to take Brown, if they went wide receiver at 31, 32, I'm sorry. Yeah, actually. Yeah. I had Brown and Nikhil graded very, very similarly. You know, I was, very big at the time of the draft on guys like DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel uh, for yeah. starters. And, and I really didn't think as highly of either Brown or Nikhil necessarily as those two guys, but obviously AJ Brown has proved me wrong in a lot of ways. But I think the biggest thing that I saw about AJ Brown in college that I thought was a little bit different from Nikhil is just the footwork and the ability to change direction was a little bit smoother always at the top of the route, certainly, but really just throughout his play in general. You know, Nikhil has always been just a big physical guy that you can throw little gadget plays and swing passes and end around to him, and he's great on those types of actions. He was great on screens in college, certainly wide receiver screens, different types of variations of those. And then he was obviously a downfield guy and, and a vertical guy that could outjump the coverage or box out the coverage down the field. Whereas A.J. Brown was always a little bit more of a technician, always a little bit better at the top of the route. And I also think that he's a little bit faster and a little bit more explosive with the ball in his hands in the 40 time for the two receivers back that up. So I had a higher grade on Brown, but it was neck and neck. Those two I really saw as kind of similar players, bigger receivers that I expected to play a little bit more in the inside that were certainly going to need the scheme to help them out to get open in some cer certain situations. I didn't look at either one of those guys necessarily as a, as a guy that could transcend scheme and just get open all on his own because of how dynamic he is. And I think Brown has proven that he can do some of that type of stuff. You know, he's ran some really good vertical routes for them, watching them on tape, you know, where he just literally runs a straight line and he's in game a couple, about a month ago, he ran a 60 yard bomb right down the sideline that he just outran the corner and just, you know, kind of took the top off the defense and caught a 60 yard pass. So there are elements in his game that he's certainly beyond what I saw at his time at Old Miss. But I really think that Brown was always a little bit better. And, and he's certainly other draft experts that I, you know, kind of respect and, and appreciate their opinions. They all had AJ Brown extremely high. Some people had him as the second or the third best receiver in this class. Some people had him as the best receiver overall in this class. And, uh, those people certainly look pretty smart right about now. And, and I think that there was always a little bit of kind of, uh, I don't want to call it doubt, but just, you know, a little bit of skepticism on my part and other people's parts as to why the Patriots went Nikhil Harry over guys like A.J. Brown or Debo Samuel or even going later in the draft to a guy like a Terry McLaurin or uh, a McCole Hardman or a Jalen Hurd or someone like that, that they could have had maybe – second round, third round range instead of picking someone uh, right at the end of the first round. So, yeah, I think it was definitely surprising to see them pick Nikhil over all those other options. Hmm. And and Evan, you mentioned Nikhil Harry, and we've we've talked about him. It seems like every week, kind of waiting for him to to kind of take that next step and get going. And we've seen you know some glimpses over the last few weeks of of really what he can do, especially with the ball in his hands. Uh, I'm curious to hear you, you know. It seems like McDaniel's hints every week in that press conference, he, he's getting ready to unleash Harry. And you've seen, you know, like you said, they're taking him on reverses and some screens and kind of seeing what he can do with the ball in his hands and get him some space. 
Uh, I'm curious to see what, you know, maybe they'll do to kind of, you know, make this, you know, make his game easier to translate to the, to the playoff. You know, obviously margin for error is so slim. What do you think they can do to, to kind of unleash Harry here to make sure that he can be a top option down the stretch here? Yeah, I think that what they're doing right now, unfortunately for what I'm seeing from him on tape is pretty much what he can do at a high level at this point. I think the biggest thing in terms of his development moving forward, if he can develop some sort of an under route or a slant in his route tree, that is going to be massive for his, you know, kind of future success. Because right now the back shoulders, the fades down the sideline, those are all kind of well and good. But if you don't have any in-breaking stuff to offset those, then the DBs in this league are too smart and they're too good. They're just going to sit all over those vertical routes. So any really good kind of jump ball receiver, the guy that Nikhil was always so regularly compared to a lot of the time and the draft was Des Bryant. Des Bryant was obviously great at going up and catching the ball and throwing up the X and doing all that kind of stuff. But what he was also had at least a little bit semblance of is that slant. So if you can run those slants, you're probably going to play corners a lot of the time with outside leverage, trying to take away the fade, take away the back shoulders, take away the sidelines from him. So if he can find something that he can do consistently breaking into the middle of the field, I think that that would really open up everything else. And the one thing that I do think that we might see in the postseason at some point, even back into training camp, if you go all the way back to, you know, the first uh, couple weeks where he was healthy for camp, he was really good on double moves and setting up kind of vertical routes by running slant and goes or a little stop and goes and stuff like that. And he was really good at that in college also. They haven't really pulled that out yet. It's not a big part of their offense in general, running vertical double moves, but I would like to see them try to throw one or two of those to Harry. And again, give the defense something to think about breaking into the middle of the field. Cause right now his routes in the middle of the field are not crisp enough. The stuff that they're running, the crossing patterns and things like that, that they're trying to get him to kind of, you know, get into some space and be able to run with the football. They haven't really been able to find him on those quite yet. Brady hit him on one in the last game against Miami and he only gained about four yards on it or something like that. So I think that a little bit more of the stuff into the middle of the field, which is what I expected more out of him, quite honestly, when they drafted him. I think that that would go a long way to be able to set up some of the things that they want to do on the outside. And obviously, in the meantime, keeping the ball in his hands on jet sweeps or end arounds or reverses or whatever you want to call them, all those kinds of things are, are really good. And he's obviously clearly able to kind of execute those types of things. But it's funny because, you know, there's elements of his game that are really impressive. And sometimes you look at the physical skills and you see a guy that could be really special, but the details of the route running and the ability to kind of understand exactly how to finish a route and do things the right way. And that, in that sense, you know, we knew it was going to be a work in progress, but I think that you see it firsthand with a receiver and a young receiver like him, where when you have to start from square one with a lot of those things, how it can kind of prevent a guy from really blossoming as a rookie. I think that's exactly what we're kind of seeing is the time off obviously didn't help. And now he's coming back and there are just elements that he needs to clean up in terms of his route detail. And that's probably what's holding him back the most right now from exploding. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, one question before I ask you for a prediction, uh, running back wise, uh, you know, Sony Michelle's gotten a lot of flack this year and I think rightfully so, but I thought he's run hard the last few weeks. Burkhead just just seems to look a little bit more explosive back there. 
do you think that you're going to, we're going to see more of a timeshare in the, in, in the postseason, if not more of Rex Burkett than we're seeing of Sony Michelle? I know Sony's been, uh, you know, pretty good in the passing game as far as blocking. Um, but matter of fact, he had a great block on, on those pass that Sanu dropped, um, right before the Brady pick six. But, um, you know, I, I'm just curious about, about your thoughts on, on, on the rushing attack there. Yeah, I think that Rex is at his best when they manage his carries a little bit. Like, I don't think that Burke has the type of back that they feel comfortable handing it off to him 25 times on Saturday night. It's just yeah. not the type of guy that he is. He's definitely more of a change of pace, dual threat kind of running back that can catch the ball out of the backfield. But I think the interesting thing with Rex, even talking to him versus James White, is that teams don't treat Rex Burkhead in the passing game like they treat James White in the passing game. They're not putting safeties and corners on him. They're not giving him extra attention. So that's one kind of thing that they can do that they have done pretty successfully, I would say, since Rex started to kind of break out here a little bit, certainly in the Buffalo game. He had you know, led the team in receiving yards was just the ability to kind of still get him in space on a linebacker is a matchup that they can still kind of create in the passing game where as with James White, like for instance, on Sunday, you know, they got a couple of really good safeties in Tennessee and Kevin Byard and and Kenny Vaccaro. My guess is is every single time James White is on the field in the passing game, it's going to be one of those two guys on him in man coverage and not one of their linebackers. If they put Burkhead on the field, they might be able to get that matchup on a linebacker and be able to, you know, take advantage of that. So I think that Burkhead actually gives them a little bit more of that kind of flexibility. And certainly Josh McDaniels absolutely loves Rex Burkhead. I loved him since the draft. And you kind of see that come postseason time. Certainly the end of last year, you know, remember Burkhead was a major part of that run uh, to the AFC, uh, to the Super Bowl, excuse me. And uh, a major part of the AFC championship game is what I meant to say, you know, scoring the game winning touchdown. So I think that they are going to use Burkhead a lot. And I think they should use Burkhead a lot because teams right now, Every single time James White's on the field, he's getting some sort of special treatment. And the only thing that they've really been able to get him loose on is screens. And other than that, you know, throwing him the ball out of the backfield, it's been kind of tough sledding. I think that they might be able to find more favorable matchups with Burkhead. And he certainly has more skill as a receiver than, say, Sony Michelle. Right. No, it makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. So, all right. So uh, prediction time. What do you think? You think they? I uh, think they walk out of uh, out of their Saturday night with a victory, and we're moving on to Kansas City, or uh, or do you think this is the end of the line? I think they're going to win this game on Saturday night. I think that they have some things that they're going to be able to do well. I also think that being at home is going to be a big part of it as well. And a lot of the players said that being at home really doesn't matter, but I think it does matter for this team. The biggest thing, though, is that you mentioned the running game and the sacrifices they're kind of have to make on the back end to stop the run. But if there's one thing that I know about Bill Belichick, it's that he's really not going to want to lose this game because Derrick Henry runs for 200 yards on his defense. Bill Belichick is nothing more than getting run on in a game, right? You know, that just drives him nuts because schematically the defense should be able to take away the run if you allocate resources properly. And as long as your players up front play with sound technique, then you shouldn't be getting gashed on the ground. It's just that simple. So I think he's going to try to shut down Derrick Henry first first and foremost and really rely on his guys in the secondary to win their matchups against Davis and A.J. Brown, at least to a point where they're not, you know, ruining the game for the Patriots. So I think this is going to be another close game, though. I kind of imagine it coming 
down to the wire, similarly to how the Buffalo and the Miami games went, or even the Kansas City game also. You know, I think it's going to be something like that, 27-24, somewhere in that range. Right. But I do think the Patriots can pull this out. And the main reason, I would say, is that they're probably going to do something to shut down Derrick Henry. I also think that the guys in the back end and the secondary are not going to have two games in a row like they did against Miami. I expect those guys to be able to correct the mistakes, certainly Stephon Gilmore, to get back to playing at a pretty high level. And one thing I will say about Gilmore, too, is that he's certainly well aware of the fact that everybody's been talking about him for his performance in Week 17. He's also certainly well aware of the fact that they're talking about how he sucked against Corey Davis last year. You know, and this is one of those big marquee primetime playoff games where he can kind of go out and make a statement. And in the past, he's been able to rise to the occasion. Yeah, well, let's hope that continues. Well, you heard it here first from Evan Lazar. Patriots are winning on Saturday night. And so uh, (laughs) we'll be back next week talking about the Chiefs because, I mean, if Evan said it, then you know it's true. So, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. A lot of pressure. (laughs) But, Evan, thank you so much for coming on. We really always enjoy having you. And, uh, you know, we appreciate the insight. And it's, it's, you know, you're a special kind of cat because you obviously cover the Patriots and, you know, know the Patriots very well. But you also – you know, have that draft aspect of it as well, where you, you're very well versed in the draft. And so, you know, talking about the Nikhil Harry situation is interesting because, because you put a lot of time and effort into that, uh, into that draft process, you know, before that even happened. So, so we appreciate you having you on and, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks guys. Take care, Evan. Thanks again. Take care. You too. All right.